Welcome to Hockey Mountain High, your go-to avalanche podcast presented by Superbook Sports and Total Beverage in Thornton and Westminster. I'm your host, JJ Jerez, Arif Dean with me of Mile High Sports and the Peter Ball of The Athletic as well. Uh, Peter, we'll get more into your trip to Finland, but h- how's the jet lag treating you? How are you doing? How's your, how was your flight home? Flight home was very long. It was um, two hours from Helsinki to Munich and then 11 hours from Munich to oh, Denver. Geez. So <laughs> I'm, I'm a little tired. I'm feeling it a bit, but we'll get through it. I, uh, it was tough going there. I had really struggled with the jet lag when I got to Finland. There's um, I, and I, I, when I asked Josh Manson how he was dealing with the jet lag, he said, I should ask you cause you're looking a little rough. <laughs> uh, which was an accurate assessment. So we can, we can always rely on Josh Manson for being open and honest. Throwing yes. zingers. Yes. Arif, uh, how about you? I know you're doing some traveling. How are you doing this Friday, Tuesday? Doing fantastic. I took a 3 a.m. flight back to Denver and just took a very long nap. So if Josh Manson was here, he would clearly point out that I look like I just rolled out of bed. But let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> let's get into it. Um, as I mentioned, we're going to talk uh, the Finland trip in a second and, of course, give our uh, homage to Peter McNabb. But we got to talk about the big news of the day, right? Uh, optional skate and some injury reports coming through after the Finland trip. Um, most notable is Val Nichushkin and, of course, Sam Gerard and Bo Byram. But let's get to Nichushkin first. Uh, Peter, I guess you were there. You dropped the bomb on on everybody news wise. So I know you live for that news reporting stuff. But what what's your thought? What's your assessment of the whole Val Nichushkin ankle situation? Yeah, I mean, it, it definitely is a, a bummer for the Avalanche and a bummer for Nichushkin, who's off to an awesome start. He has seven goals this year and seven games played and and looked like he he could really rack up some big, big stats this year. Um, I think for the Avalanche. At the end of the day, this team has enough talent to withstand some injuries and still make it to the playoffs with a good seed. And the important thing is just that guys like Nachushkin and Byron, Gerard, Landis, Skog, Helm, all those guys are healthy and ready to go when, when the playoffs come around. And if that is the case, then the Avalanche should be in pretty good shape. Um, so while it's a bummer that Nachushkin's going to miss some time for the Avalanche, I, I don't think it's the end of the world by any means. Yeah, especially for me, the big thing is, and this is going to be a complete 180, JJ, from the negativity the last uh, couple of weeks, excuse me, um, is if Newhook and Rodriguez and Martin Cow and Logan O'Connor and all these guys are going to pitch in like they did in Finland, the Avalanche will get over this like they've gotten over every other injury the last three to four years because, as we know, they do get injured a lot and knock on wood, they were good to go for the playoffs in 2022 when they needed to most and they were good to go. So uh, it is unfortunate because uh, like you said, Val was kind of on a pace to put up some big numbers and now he you know, might be looking at playing another 62-ish game season like last year. So it's unfortunate for him, but you know what? When you need him most is when you need him to be healthy and that's in the Stanley Cup finals or sorry, the Stanley Cup playoffs in general and, and, and that's what you're looking for. Yeah, you kind of scratch the surface on, on my next question here because you look at the last couple of years and injuries are nothing new for this team, right? We remember the bubble, how the team essentially just fell apart completely during that loss to Dallas. And um, last year just happened to be a perfect storm of them getting healthy for the playoffs. So does this team, without Landis Gog for the foreseeable future, without Nachushkin for the next month or so, is this a playoff-capable team? Are you still confident in this team's abilities to carry the weight the rest of the way and, and still get them to where the ultimate goal is, which is just making the playoffs one way or another? Yes. Yes. 100%. I, I, yeah, yeah, there's too much talent. I mean, look, you've got a top line that has Nathan McKinnon and Mika Ranton, and you've got a 
secondary group of forwards that are pretty good. Not what you want them to be for when the playoffs roll around, but guys like JT Comfort, Logan O'Connor, Andrew Cogliano, that's a capable third line in the regular season. If Cout, Rodriguez, and Newhook, as Arif was saying, kind of continue what they built in Columbus and can can do a little bit of that um, going forward, they'll be fine. I'm not at all worried about this team getting into the playoffs. For me, the big focus is always going to be how does the team look when the playoffs are are coming up? Do they have time to kind of build some chemistry with lines? Do they have time to get everyone healthy? And so far, there have been no injuries that have have been season ending or, or anything like that. Um, and that is a, a the big thing you want to avoid right now. Yeah, I think um, the two big things for me, I mean, to answer the question, yes, they will. They definitely have the talent to get into the playoffs. The, the two big things for me is now, number one, uh, we noticed it a lot before the two Finland games because uh, Peter, correct me if I'm wrong, I think it was eight or nine games in a row where the game deciding goal was scored in the third period or overtime before Finland. And one of the Finland ones was too. Before the second game in Finland, actually, yeah, because it was three to three. So we saw a lot of games heading into that second game in Finland on Saturday where Nathan McKinnon was up in like the, you know, the, the 24, 25 minute mark. I think Rodriguez had a game against the Islanders where he played 27. Uh, Nichushkin was playing big minutes before his injury. Miko Rantanen, Kale McCarr, Devon Taves. We saw those minutes kind of come down in those last couple of games. So, which brings me to the point of, uh, unfortunate, but also these are talented guys and they're athletes that are in the best shape of their lives is, uh, the avalanche are going to rely heavily on their top guys. So the depth won't be there as much when you don't have an Achushkin, when you don't have a Landeskog, uh, Byram and, and Gerard on D, those are two big minute defensemen. Uh, so you're going to need to see other guys step up and eat those minutes. And then the second thing is obviously the, the playoffs, like, you know, it is November right now. We are only, what, 11, 12 games into the regular season. But these games are going to fly by. And by the time you get to the playoffs, you kind of got to hope and wish that everybody's healthy, everybody's ready to go. It just seemed like such a perfect storm last year in the spring where the Avalanche had these injuries and they were losing these games in the final stretch. And Landis Gog was good to go for the playoffs. And Kadri came back for the playoffs. And I want to say... Rantanen was sick. And Rantanen, got... that's what it was. Rantanen was sick. So, like, all these guys kind of all came back at the same time, full steam ahead, uh, an injury to Sam Gerrard. And then, you know, obviously, Nachushkin broke his leg in the... or broke his foot in the final and still played on it. So, that's Kadri what... Kadri missed time. Burkowski missed time. Kadri's injury, yeah. Cogliano missed time. Oh, man, yeah. There was a lot more than I... Kemper yeah. missed time. Yeah, there were injuries. I mean, I don't quite a bit. Yeah, that's true. There, I, there weren't the year before. Actually, the year they lost to Vegas was actually a year in which they yeah. were probably a little more healthy than um, they were missing Byram. Or, but Byram was cleared at that point. It, it's a good thing he didn't play because a lot of the concussion issues ended up coming back that summer. Yeah. But Eric Johnson was out and Byram were out. But all the forwards were healthy. You had Kadri get suspended, and that really hurt them. But it wasn't an injury related thing. Damn, um, I guess I, I never really put together how many injuries there were last playoffs. But yeah, yeah. I mean, like what, when the playoffs started, I guess I, I always think about the defense and how healthy the defense was outside of Gerard. The fact that the Avalanche won the cup playing with seven defensemen the entire way. Um, and that kind of clouds my judgment. But hey, this team was stacked last year. They're not as stacked this year, but they're still pretty damn good. And they'll likely add some pieces at the deadline. Yeah, I think we're feeling a little bit high after the two Columbus 
uh, victories. I, I know they have a tough schedule ahead, so we'll see how they react there before really jumping into any real conclusions. But I'm with you guys. There's plenty of talent on this team to carry the weight for now. But that brings us to the defensive side, really um, the heart and soul of this team, I would say, for the last couple of years. And the injury news of both Bowen Byram and Sam Gerrard being essentially uh, short-term injuries here. Um, your thoughts on those guys and, and how the defense is going to, I guess, correct for the next couple of weeks. Yeah, well, I do think one big development in Finland was that Kale McCarr went uh, from being so-so by his standards um, to being Kale McCarr during the Finland games. He was excellent in those games. And I, you kind of saw this last year where the first eight or so games of the season, he kind of got off to – he wasn't quite as sharp as he can be, and then he really turned it on. And I think that that's going to continue. And so I think that that – is a very positive thing for, for the abs. I think Devon Taves obviously is, is still there. Manson and um, Eric Johnson will both see an increase of minutes. I would envision Jacob McDonald moving back to defense where I think Bednar will have more trust in him than he does at forward. Um, and then you'll probably see a guy like Brad hunt or someone like that, get a shot um, because I doubt that they would want to have both McDermott and McDonald in the lineup at defense at the same time. Um, but I think you'll you'll see a call up, and I think that there will be some shuffling with with McDonald and McDermott probably moving from forward to defense and and stuff like that. So it, it should be an interesting little stretch here. Um, but I think that the Avs still have a wealth of defensive depth, um, just because they have two guys in McCarr and Taves that can eat a bunch of minutes. Manson and Johnson are capable defensemen, maybe not. Oh, they're not elite or superstars or anything like that, but they're fine. And then you have guys who can come up and play a little bit. Yeah. The big name that stuck out for me, well, big name, maybe is stretching it, but the name that stuck out for me, as soon as I saw both those guys get injured. And then I obviously read Peter's story on the athletic and he was thinking the same thing was Brad hunt. This is a guy that we talked about all summer uh, or all off season. As soon as the avalanche need that extra body on defense, he'll likely get the call up and, here we are. That's what's happening. So um, the big thing for me is I wonder what kind of minutes Brad Hunt plays because with guys like Ryan Murray and Jack Johnson, especially with Ryan Murray, when those guys slotted into bigger roles, when Bowen Byram had his leave of absence with the concussion issues and when uh, Devon Taves was injured early, uh, when those guys slotted into roles, especially Murray, they were able to play a very, a very like notable top four role. And I don't know if Brad Hunt's going to be able to do that. Now I'm going to mix up the hunts. This is great. Uh, I don't know if Brad Hunt's going to be able to do that. So you're going to need to rely on Eric Johnson to play a bigger role than he did all of last season because Eric kind of was comfortably slotted into that number five, six role last year, sometimes playing top four minutes, but not often. But uh, obviously having Josh Manson is a big help for this team. Uh, I know we've been saying it all summer. Can't stress enough how big it was for the team to re-sign that guy to bring him back. So, um, you know, Kale McCarr is going to run the show. Devon Taves is going to run the show. And, you know, such great timing, like Peter said, uh, for Kale McCarr to pick up his game because now you're going to see uh, about a month stretch of Kale playing 25 to, I don't know, 29 minutes when the Avalanche are tight in games, uh, putting up a ton of points. He'll probably be a way more than a point-per-game guy because when he was playing average for his standards, he was already a point-per-game guy, uh, scoring a lot, playing a lot of minutes, and and – They'll be fine again. It's just a matter of relying on the guys uh, at the top and um, just kind of weathering the storm as they always do with these situations. 
When I think of the identity of this defensive group, and you know, I think of the fast puck moving guys, right? I think Kale McCarr, Bo Byram, and, and Sam Gerrard. So I think you still have the defensive half of the of the defensive core still in place and still intact, but you're missing a big chunk of who they are defensively by by having both of those guys out of the lineup. So I'm just curious to see how they're going to adjust to that. You know, how those quick passes out of the defensive zone um, end up looking on somebody else's stick, and and just how they're going to just to missing a big part of their structure and game plan. Yeah. yeah and Devon, we'll Devon how... is a big piece. Don't forget about that. Guy. I know. I know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like he's, he's, he's got that. He's the moving. defensive in air yeah. quotes, half of that pairing, but of yeah. course we know. Yeah. But he, he's, he's yeah. well-rounded right. puck mover gets the puck out. Right. So he's going to be a huge piece anyway. Sorry. Go ahead, Peter. Yeah. I'll, I'll be curious to see also just how long Gerard misses. I mean, he's, they listed him as day to day. So that could mean two games or that could stretch into a bit longer, but if it's just two games, then that's not the end of the world. Yeah, I know uh, Bowen Byram's injury happened in New York, I believe, right? That's what Benner said, yeah. Yeah. What is the update on Val's injury? Um, I don't know exactly. He played in the Rangers game, and then he was all of a sudden day-to-day. He tried, He's practiced in Finland twice, and he skated um, – Friday night ahead of the Finland game in warmups and then decide like it, it, they, it was clear he couldn't go, I guess. Yeah. Um, and, it, and they said ankle surgery, ankle surgery. Yeah. Okay. Approximately a month. All right. So probably not related to the foot injury. You have to hope it's a different out. foot. Well, probably. So assuming it's not related to the foot injury of last year, that kind of had him start a little bit behind schedule at training camp. Yeah. I don't think it's okay. uh, the same thing, but I don't know. They the these teams aren't necessarily the most forthcoming <laughs> with injuries and how they're I mean, hey, I when I when I read the tweet, because obviously I did not attend practice today, taking that post flight nap, but when I read the tweet and I saw the word ankle in there, I'm like, hey, it's nice. We actually right. we got a body part. They and didn't just then, say Val Nichushkin's having surgery. It could be his wisdom yeah. tooth, it could be L- lower body <laughs> surgery for Val. It could have been anything, but uh I think I think they were probably smart to say ankle because if they said lower body surgery you know, lower body injury surgery for Nachushkin. It would have been uh, uh, a lot of speculation of it related to that foot from last year. So, um, but hey, I hope Byram and Gerard's lowers and uppers uh, get better soon. <laughs> they're all lowers. Oh, they're both lowers. Yeah. Okay. Well, last question before we move on from the injury topic, guys. Uh, like I mentioned, kind of a challenging schedule ahead. But are these kind of the moments in a season where you look back and talk about adversity and, and what teams have to overcome? I mean, is this kind of what they're going through right now? Or, or do you think they're going to maybe struggle through this next stretch here? I mean, maybe they'll have to tread water a little bit, but I don't I don't know. It's it, there. It's still winnable hockey games, right? You've got Nashville, who's been pretty mediocre since coming back from from their Europe trip you've got carolina who's a really good hockey team you've got st louis who's off to a terrible start carolina again washington which has been pretty up and down and then so it's it's not like they're playing all juggernauts they have two games against carolina in the next couple weeks um they're gonna have dallas i think two and a half weeks from now dallas is playing really well but it's not it doesn't feel like insurmountable games or or anything like that so i i don't know i think that there's every year stretches where teams go through catch the injury bug i mean we saw last year there were there were points where the abs were missing a lot of guys and 
they finished with a lot of wins. So obviously this year's team isn't as deep at this point as that year's team was, but I, I don't, I'm not terribly concerned. And I think even if they tread water for a bit, they'll be fine. Yeah. I mean, the fact that it's one month day to day and week to week for these new injuries is it makes it hard to be concerned. This isn't, you know, two to three months without a top four defenseman or another three month injury to another top left winger like Landis Gog. So uh, not as big a deal, but uh, I think I think the rhythm of, of playing every other night, even though it's unfortunate because now these guys are going to miss more games than they would have if they got injured two weeks ago. But um, the rhythm of playing every other night is going to help this team. I mean, NHL players like to play every other night. And I mean, there's obviously no way of proving this, but maybe the reason why players are going down is because they're playing such like spaced out games right now where I think that rhythm will help them. And it's it's going to help with the fact that Nathan McKinnon just came back from Finland with like a million points in two games. And Kale McCarr is obviously putting up points again and Devon Taves and all the depth guys. So just get back on the ice. I know it's a little bit of a stretch between Saturday and this upcoming Thursday, but get them back on the ice, play over, play every other night, get that rhythm going until guys get healthy. And um, it'll just be interesting to see how they get through it. But uh, I'm also curious about Darren Helm. That's a, that's a good piece for the bottom six, but it's just he's, a waiting. He's game. a ways away. He's a ways um, away. I mean, I asked Bednar about that in Finland, and he, I said, I asked if he was getting closer. He said, I guess he's getting closer, but there's still no, he, he's still not within sight. So, Oof. yeah. So, yeah. still November. So, Peter never wanted to overreact, and Arif says, relax. There's plenty of time. <laughs> I'm with it. Um, let's it's, take a it's break. It's hard after, after the, the two games in Finland. I'm going to give you a little bit more positive than the what the hell was going on with this team in New York. <laughs> I'm with it. Um, Superbook Sports, guys. Uh, of course, we know football season in full swing, hockey season in full swing, the World Cup right around the corner, basketball season in full swing. Superbook is bringing Vegas-style wagering to the palm of your hands, and now they will match 100% of your first bet up to $1,000, no matter if the bet wins or loses. You don't have to be at the stadium to enjoy any of those sports this fall. Visit Superbook.com or download the Superbook Colorado app right now and start getting in on all the action. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Let's get to the Finland trip, Peter. And basically, we want to get just your experience of it. Arif and I, we already did two podcasts breaking down the X's and O's and what the hockey looked like, but how was just the trip as a whole? Obviously, we heard from the players how good of a bonding experience these last two weeks were for them. Um, what people, I think, fail to realize for you is you got a cool job. You get to follow the team across the world, and uh, but at the same time, it's still a job. You had to sit down, dig into some stories, and get some writing Let's Let's done. not get too carried away. He wrote a story about eating food <laughs> at Miko Rantan's <laughs> favorite restaurant. Yeah, and of course, we'll have to get to your terrible food takes. So, oh, boy. Um, I was nice with my food takes. I thought I I like. I gotta be honest. I didn't have time to read it. I saw the I saw the title come through, and I went, "Ooh boy!" (laughs) No, it it was all good. And if they if it hadn't been good, also, I think it would be kind of a asshole move to ask Miko Rantanen for his like favorite restaurants in his home city, and then to just go in and trash him. Miko subscribed to the Athletic (laughs) to be like, "Yes, Peter's gonna share all my favorite food with the world," and Peter's like, "This sucks." No, but it was it was all very good. All the food was very. What kind of stuff did they eat? Because we were having conversations here in Denver. Like, is it all? just fish and bread i was trying to make a video about finland and looked for a finnish restaurant in denver there isn't one so what is finnish food really like yeah there's a lot there are there is a lot of bread they do like their bread which is good i like carbs um <laughs> there's there's fish um yeah the fish i had in turku which is ranton and, and lackanen's hometown or at least kind of near their hometown 
Uh, it's the city closest to their hometown. Um, uh, I had some really, really good fish there. They have um, their pastries are really good. They have this like buttered bread with sugar on it. That's delicious. Mm. Um, and also like their version of cinnamon rolls are um, a little less sweet because they're less like, like there's not a, a ton of icing on it or anything <laughs> like that. It's more just cinnamon and a little bit of sugar. So that was very good. Um, but yeah, I think a lot of salmon soup is a big, big thing there. Reindeer is a big thing there. I didn't try reindeer. I should have. Um, and then, yeah, different kind of meats and, and stuff like that. It's nothing like too crazy, but it's a lot of very like, I don't know, food you would want to have on like a, a cold winter day, which is nice. Um, so it I, does I get gloomy there, right? Yeah, it's pretty dark. It was, there wasn't a whole lot of sunlight while I was there. Mm. Um, and I was in the Southern part of the country. I think up North, it gets really dark in the winter. Um, but I, I quite liked it and yeah, I, I'm a fan of Finnish food. I thought I, I'm not a, usually a big seafood guy, but the seafood I had in Turku was really, really good. How about as far as reporting? Like, I know, I know the Finnish guys were kind of taking the spotlight. You got to visit their hometown. What did you learn about Lekkanen, Mikko Ranton, and maybe even Patrick Laine that, that you didn't know before? Yeah, well, I'll have some stories coming out actually in the next few weeks that I'm excited about, um, from about, ran in about um actually uc parkala the goalie coaches from mm-hmm. from tampere um and and then lekin and i i kind of spent a whole day um or a big chunk of a day with his his dad going around to the different spots where he um where he kind of grew up and grew up playing and grew up like that were impactful on him so you can read that story on the athletics website but it's uh it's it's funny because of um kind of some cold war like legislation um, there's mandated like a certain amount of bomb shelters in Finland, um, just because they're right next to Russia and, and they have that, a testy history between those two countries. So there's these bomb shelters there, but pretty much bomb shelters in times of peace, there's not much use for them. So pretty much they built a lot of these shelters as like recreational centers too. So Lakanen in Turku, um, which was his home city grew up playing it like his rink he grew up playing it most is a bomb shelter it's it's literally underground um with like very compact walls and it's it's kind of wild but it was pretty cool to see so i i did a, a lot of i i kind of i enjoyed seeing where lakanen grew up playing and kind of grew to have this style of play where he's this really good defensive player who's just really good at everything you could kind of see the makings of that in the fact that his dad was a coach and also in kind of some of the work he does in the different places there so that was cool and then yeah keep your eyes peeled for more stories on Rantanen and and uc parkla that is hey. really cool we always sorry real quick Arif. i mean no, no. But yeah the, the way war affects and has impacted europe in the past and there's just you know artifacts of it everywhere that's that's fascinating i'm excited to see the other stories uh eustace Annan also made the trip yeah so okay. I talked to him. He uh, he was really excited to be there. He was only going to play in like on an emergency basis. Which yeah, yeah. Fortunately, just, it was nice to see that he was able to go. Obviously, totally. Yeah, yeah, he was he was really happy. Um, I think he thought it was it was really cool to be back up with the NHL team and just talk about. I kind of talked to him a little bit about this in our interview, but but just what a year for him. He makes his NHL debut. This is all within the last like twenty four or twelve months. He's made his NHL debut, got his first NHL win, got his first NHL point. He assisted the Kale McCarr coast-to-coast goal in Philadelphia by just leaving the puck there for Kale to pick up. (laughs) Um, And then got to be dressed for playoff games, win a Stanley Cup, obviously as the third-string goalie, but still hoisted the cup and and got to have that whole experience. And then he got to go 
go be in his home country for for two regular season games even if he wasn't playing and that's that's pretty special for for him and um i'm sure he he was really happy and grateful for that experience i mean it's a perfect storm of things for i think jj and i talked about this the other day like to be a finnish player in the nhl and to get an opportunity to play games in finland or nhl games in finland or you know partake in this kind of experience for Annan's case is like when is that ever going to happen again? Like for Archery Lekkonen to get traded to one of the two teams that are there. I mean, obviously he's lucky already. He got traded to the team that won the cup and he was a big part yeah. of it. But like for these guys to be on the teams that end up going to Finland, because if I remember correctly, I could be wrong. No, I'm definitely right. The Finland trip was planned before Patrick Laine ever got traded to Columbus. Yeah, I, I don't know exactly when it was planned, but certainly he and there was even like the weird RFA contract situation that they had to work out. So the fact yeah. that it worked out that this trip had both McKinnon or uh, Rantanen and Line A, who are two of the biggest, what, four Finnish stars yeah. there are, are probably into, and especially in terms of name recognition, I think Line A carries a lot of name recognition in Finland. Um, you had those two plus Lekkonen, who's this really good clutch player. Um, Corpusalo got to play. Eustace got to make the trip. And then you also have Yarmo Kakalina and, and, and UC Parkalov kind of in the coaching and yeah. front office roles. So, so pretty cool remember, for all of them. If I remember correctly, it was the fall of 2019 pre-COVID when they said that the fall of 2020, they would be going to Finland. That obviously got shot down because of the COVID season. They sent it to 21. That got shot down. They just played them at Ball Arena and at Nationwide and then here. So when it was planned, it was Miko Rantanen and it was... Yarmo Kekalainen and Jonas Corposalo. And, and UC. Then, and UC Line. And then lo and behold, here comes Arturi Lekkonen. Eustace Annan makes his NHL debut. Patrick Line gets traded for Pierre-Luc Dubois. So perfect storm for these Finnish guys. I mean, I know Patrick Line had some pretty rough quotes there, um, which I don't blame him because, like, it sucks. Like, he's he's home. He gets his experience, and then they get blown out both times pretty much. But uh, for all of these guys to all be there, given how, like, little – Finnish representation there is in the NHL percentage wise uh, for that many people to be there is, is awesome. This is either neither here nor there, but didn't they announce that they were playing in Finland, but didn't really have any teams announced and later on came to announce which teams were going. So I, I don't know how that timeline really I, worked. I just vaguely remember the pre COVID. We knew that the avalanche were going to Finland because I remember saying from back then, like, man, it would be cool to give, to be able to cover this. So Sometime before February 2020 or March 2020, when the COVID pause happened, we had an idea that it was the Avalanche and Blue Jackets and then just took an extra two years. Okay. Um, along with that conversation, you know, I, I, I know there's not a huge representation of Finnish players in the NHL, but considering their population, I mean, Colorado has just over 400,000 people more than Finland does as a whole. So I'm always amazed at how many people they actually oh, it, do get to yeah. the NHL. So it might be the best hockey country in terms yeah. of just like per capita. Yeah. Right. So I wanted to, I guess my question was with the vibe and the culture and just walking around town, do you feel that hockey presence in society or um, does it kind of seem to be kind of like a niche thing like it is here? Oh, I think, I mean, it's definitely the biggest sport in the country. Like it's so it's, it's less of a niche thing than it is here um it, it's a huge deal there and it, it's cool i went to a finish league game too which was pretty fun um and just to kind of see the the differences they watch hockey differently i think it's a little less like during while play is going on it's a lot quieter they're pretty focused 
Um, and then obviously they get excited when their goals or something happened. But I, I find that while the play is going on, there were times where like you could hear the players like it's a sold out crowd, but you could hear the players like calling out like you get this guy, you get this guy or whatever, because they were pretty, pretty locked in, which was was cool to see. So definitely, uh, definitely a hockey culture. And I, I think it was it was cool seeing all the because the crowd, I, I would guess, was almost was mostly Finnish, like obviously, or mostly European at the very least. And it was cool to see all the jerseys that weren't abs or blue jackets jerseys. Like you could see how that was kind of a way to see how much like people love hockey. There it was just like, you had like McDavid jerseys, dry jerseys, Sidney Crosby jerseys of getting Malkin jerseys, all these different players. And I think one of my friends asked me like, were more people rooting for the abs or blue jackets? And I was like, I think maybe the abs, but I think the big thing is they just wanted to see the Finnish players show out. Like they just were so excited whenever line, a, when line, a scored in the first game, it was a big, big deal. When Rantanen scored the hat trick, it was, they're singing the song when Lekkonen <laughs> scored and they went crazy. So it, it was pretty cool. It was, it was really neat. Pretty cool for uh, Georgie to get both of those games. I know Finland kind of matters, yeah, second home. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it is his home. It's his off season home and he, he grew up playing for or his later teen years playing at TPS. And yeah, he, he definitely has a lot of connections to that country too. Yeah. I just did a quick search on uh, where the sport of football, AKA soccer ranks for Finland and realized they've never played in a world cup before. So I guess hockey really is the capital. I think cross country skiing is it. There's more winter sports that are very yeah. renowned. There's also Finland. like floorball, which is, um, the it's it's essentially floor hockey um, yeah. both of mika ranton and sisters play that um they do have soccer there like uh tps yeah. has a soccer yeah, team yeah. and stuff like that um but yeah different sports there's a sport i forget what it's called but it's like you kind of have like sticks but you like put it inside it's like a disc and you, it's on ice and i think on skates it's kind of like hockey but you like put the stick inside the disc and to move it it's it's i can't really describe <laughs> it but uh but that's a sport there too so that's definitely. a google search for everybody yeah <laughs> Dick yeah disc like hockey yeah what it's is... it, but it's cool it, it was really i mean i i thought that the the crowd was really great i thought that and it was cool seeing i thought like i really thought mckinnon it was pretty clear he enjoyed himself a lot and i think maybe even surprised himself a little bit just the way he was like he was kind of talking about like yeah it was a long way but like it was so worth it and like it it, and that was cool to hear because i i think that it's nice that he was able to kind of take it in and and enjoy it as much as he did it was kale mccarr's first trip to europe it was yeah a lot of different a lot of different things and i think that they they seem to really enjoy it awesome sounds like a good time anything else you wanted to share with finland or Eric? any other questions that you have for peter about finland no that's basically it i mean uh I was going to get into the topic of Georgiev, but I think we've covered that immensely. I'm, I'm excited to see him, you know, get back and nothing against Francis. He's going to play some games here too, but Georgie's been fun to watch. He's been pretty good. Yeah. I think the fact that he's adjusted so much quicker than Grubauer or Kemper, or Kemper did yeah. is very encouraging for Colorado. The fact that he looks so comfortable and um, he looks like a more than capable starter. So, and that's nine what team needs nine twenty five save percentage uh 21 goals against and that includes the fact that the the team imploded in front of him i mean and he kind of did too in in the new york islanders game on the 29th so shout and out also, to Georgie. yeah and also 
I think even strength goals, he has not given up much all the, all at all. Is uh, it just me? Does it feel like we're the only ones noted? I don't feel like he's getting much national attention uh, on what he's done so far. The Avalanche yeah. are the Avalanche are a good team, and they just won the Stanley Cup. It's, I mean, we uh, we kind of witnessed two or three years of the hoopla around the Avalanche, and it'll come back. And as we get closer to the playoffs, just like Tampa Bay the last few years, everybody's like, "Oh, Carolina this and Carolina that, and Toronto and all these teams." And then the playoffs are getting ready to get started. It's like, well, but don't forget this juggernaut with Vasilevsky and Kucherov and Stamkos and Point and blah blah blah. So. I think we're we're going to see a little bit of that with the Avs. Yeah, and he's been good, but he hasn't necessarily been like Carter Hart had yeah. those start he's had of the year. Jake Ottinger, who who have kind of been like, oh wow, are these guys super duper stars? Linus Olmark, yeah. Connor Hellebuck's yeah. been awesome. Logan Thompson's been awesome. I want to say Ilya Sorokin's got some pretty good numbers. So, so there's some other goalie storylines that I think have maybe trumped it. But if he keeps this up, then yeah, he'll yeah. definitely be getting some some good attention. He's a good yeah. player. I just pulled up the goalie stats page and all five of those goalies I just listed, Jake Ottinger, who you mentioned, all have a better save percentage than his 925. Billy freaking Huso, 5-1-1 one, one with a 941, two shutouts, and a 1.86 goals against average for the Red Wings. And the Blues miss him. Miss him bad. Jordan Bennington is having a season. Well, and I think it's even less Bennington. I mean, I think Bennington hasn't been good either but it's all it's more also just not to get too like a blues have a blues tangent but i think that they're an interesting team because of how drastically they've fallen off from the three you know start um but i think it's just that they have to rely on like last year they could play Huso and Bennington each like 30 40 games you know both those yeah. boys were more than capable right now they have Bennington who they kind of need to be a stud and then thomas grice who is not that that was such a weird signing as soon as i saw it given i know bennington was great in the playoffs but given the deployment of like a 1a 1b they've needed in the regular season i was really curious well it was a cap situation they, they didn't have room yeah but like uh, yeah i guess so how much money did yaroslav halak get not that he would have wanted to come here but yeah interesting yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, the St. Louis Blues, who have, and now we're on that tangent, Ryan O'Reilly in 10 games, one goal and a minus 12. Uh, Brandon no Saad. One goal is all he's one got. One goal. One goal and That's a minus it. 12. He's a pending UFA. Like, if Nazem Kadri peaked at the right time to make himself a lot of money, what the fuck's Ryan O'Reilly doing losing himself money so far? Yeah. I know there's Ten plenty games. of time. Yeah, yeah. Plenty of time to turn it around, but goddamn. You're listening to the Hockey Mountain Blues podcast. Up next, how much do they miss David Perron? Uh, <laughs> a <no>. lot. <laughs> um, let's just take a quick break, talk about our friends over at Total Beverage, guys. Everybody knows Total Beverage in Westminster and Thornton, right? Sure, Total Beverage has an incredible selection of beer, wine, and spirits, but did you know they deliver? Did you know they have curbside pickup available? And did you know they do online wine education classes? If not, it's time to get to know Total Beverage again. Stop by on 104th and Thornton or on Sheridan in Westminster and see for yourself or you can always find weekly deals, events, and even drink recipes online at TotalBev.com. Total Beverage, everything you need and more. Um, Peter, did you get to dabble in any libations while you were out in Finland? Any Anything unique to Finland that you enjoyed out there? I didn't go too crazy, but whenever I'm in a new place, I try and like get a local wine or, or drink or something like that. And I had, there was a really good, I forget its name, it was a Finnish cider that was awesome. It tasted so good. I had that twice. Um, and then I had a, when I had my good fish at one of the restaurants, Mika Rantanen recommended, I had a uh, 
a gin and tonic with finished gin. So I, I had a few libations. I never got never got too crazy, but I gave gave some things a try. Love it. Love it. Um, I get it's with heavy hearts. We got to turn the podcast to Peter McNabb, right? Um, I guess I was really thrown back by the hockey world being impacted by the passing of Peter. I, I know we've had the pleasure and we've been kind of spoiled of having him to ourselves for the last 27 years. So I didn't realize how, how big of an impact he had across the hockey world, but not much can be said that hasn't already be said, been said. He's one of the nicest people I've ever met in the hockey culture and uh, just obviously losing a gem. Yeah, it's um, it. I didn't know him for very long, but I, I just, I, I was very touched by how welcoming he was when I, um, when I got to Colorado and watching practices with him was very special mm-hmm. to me and just the wealth of knowledge that he had and the warmth that he had and the willingness to make others feel included and to bring them in is um, that's what I'm going to remember him for. And I, I, I will not pretend that I was like closer to him than, than I was, but I, I will miss him. And I really, really enjoyed getting to know him because he's a special, special human being. Yeah, JJ, you've probably had a lot more conversations with him over the last, what has it been now for you, eight or nine years? This is my uh, ninth. Yeah, than, than Peter and I. But I know I know Peter McNabb is two people. Um, obviously, it's, it's, it's pretty well known that I grew up an Avalanche fan and watched a ton of Avalanche hockey growing up. Uh, Peter McNabb is the voice of the Avalanche. I mean, between Kelly, Haynes, and now Mosier, the constant was always Peter McNabb. Like every single highlight that I remember as a kid, whether they were fun highlights, like when uh, Peter Forsberg had a six point game against the Florida Panthers after I think they were down five, nothing or something to, you know, more darker moments like the Steve Moore, Todd Bertuzzi hit the constant. If you go on YouTube and search all these highlights is Peter McNabb's voice, the uh, Nazem Kadri goal, the it did go in the Stanley cup final right down to the last second. I know he was sitting, I think to the right of you, Peter, yeah. right, right in front of JJ and I, and watching him there. I heard Mark Mosier on uh, the Denver nuggets halftime show yesterday, talking about how uh, Peter McNabb has two types of laughs. He has the type of laugh that you hear and the type of laugh that you see where like his body moves with his laugh. And I'm just like, man, that's, that is like the best way to explain him. That's the one version of Peter McNabb I know. The other one is the guy that I met four and a half years ago now that so welcoming, so so nice, asked for my name the very first day, um, wanted to know where I came from and always asked and always said hello. And then like five minutes later, I was sitting with Ryan Clark and Ryan looked over at Peter and said, hey, have you met Arif yet? He goes, yes, of course. I met him before the game started. And this was like the first intermission. Like he goes out of his way to say hi to people, to meet these people. And just a nice guy, man. Like it's it's crazy to think like the two things that are going to be so so tough are number one, family sports. Like seeing, seeing Peter McNabb walk around family sports is the best. Like everybody comes and says hi to him, fans, media, uh, no matter who they are, players. Everybody loves to see Peter McNabb there. And then the second part is, is the, the, the first side of how I knew him is, you know, when the avalanche are on the road and I turn on a TV and hear Mark Moser's voice, not to hear Peter McNabb is going to be really, really tough. Like that's again, 27 years, this guy's been around. I'm not going to pretend I know him as well as other people either. The extent of what I know him is the extent of these four and a half years with, you know, a large part of it, you know, being taken over by COVID and obviously him needing to be 
separated from from the general public for a majority of that but it's it's going to be tough to not see peter mcnab around yeah, yeah he, I, go ahead i i i today at practice i like looked at, he would always sit kind of on the yeah uh the rightmost seats kind of next to where the media room was and i'd sit with him a lot of the time and and i kind of looked up to that spot today and just was it it was the rank is not going to be the same and um, nor should it be because he was, he was a special man and deserves all the praise and adulation that he's gotten. And it's, it's cool listening to even today. I just like talked to a couple people about, like I asked Miko about him and he talked about how when he was a rookie, Peter McNabb would give him advice because Peter McNabb was a heck of a hockey player himself. And Jared Bednar talked about his first year on the job when, when the Avs were, in a terrible, terrible spot. Peter McNabb was a source of optimism and, and encouragement. And, um, and I think it's, yeah, he's, he's going to be missed by a lot of people. I always think of two things when I think of Peter McNabb, his ability to treat every single person like a friend he's known for decades, right? Even the, the most random stranger comes and starts talking hockey with him. He treats them like like almost family. And then you kind of touched on it right there, the passion that he had for the game. He would go to the most tedious days, the dog days of practices. He would be there. And I remember when I first got started, you know, now it's different. You guys and, you know, everybody likes to sit out in the bleachers now and kind of get a feel for practice. Before, that wasn't the case. I was the only one that did that. Alongside me was always Peter McNabb. He would be out there getting a feel for practice, getting an understanding of what he's watching rather than, you know, tucking himself in the media room and, and just socializing, which he loved to do at the same time. He, he was always in there talking with someone. So, yeah, you, you guys hit it perfectly on the head. He will be missed, and it'll just be a, a voided space for quite some time here around the Avalanche family. Like, yeah. it's, really, it's really crazy when you think about the fact that, number one, he's been here from the beginning. He has that DU background uh it may have been Jeff Merrick. I don't know. Everywhere I've gone, everything I've listened to, people have talked about Peter McNabb. So I want to say it was Jeff Merrick, but maybe I'm wrong. But he mentioned that he went to DU on a baseball scholarship yep. and ended up playing hockey. Like, what an athlete. What a guy. And and for a market like Denver that, you know, they came here in 1995 and um, hockey wasn't new to Colorado by any means, but it sure as hell wasn't what it is now uh, and, and was a growing market. To have that figure, this guy that played hockey growing up, that I think his broadcasting career started in New Jersey before. I think so too. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he started in New Jersey. So to have this, yeah, I think the year after he stopped playing, he was immediately perfect. Yeah. So, so the the fact that this big hockey figure came to Colorado in 1995 had that DU connection already. And was kind of there to welcome this new team, to see this new team grow, has been there for every single freaking season. This is the 27th season of the Colorado Avalanche. He has been there since the beginning. He has done a lot. And aside from the fact that he's been on TV as the as the color guy, he has done a ton for this market. Everybody knows Peter McNabb because if you watch hockey in Denver, you've, you've heard his voice, you've seen him, you've talked to him, you've associated with him, you've seen his picture, you know about him. Uh, it's just there, there, there's, I know there, I know Thursday is going to be rough and it's going to be hard to be at ball arena. And I know there are going to be a ton of tributes to Peter McNabb, maybe a press box name, maybe a wing of like a something, something is going to remember this guy forever in this market. There's I think huge... they should. 
The press box is a big one for me. Well, I think that what they should do is I think at some point, I think they'll give it some time to let it sit, yeah. but they should have a, obviously he didn't have a Jersey number, but I know at, I grew up going to a lot of Cardinals games and I think they had a, like on their wall of retired numbers, they had a microphone uh, for, oh. for, for Jack Buck. Um, and I think something like that next yeah. to, like up in the rafters with, um, I mean, Peter, P- Peter LaCroix didn't have a number and he's up there. So I think yeah. he always joked uh, every Pierre, time he'd go Pierre to LaCroix. Boston about yeah, how yeah. his number is retired in Boston. It just wasn't his when he was wearing <laughs> yeah. it. Right? Yeah. So, um, I think they definitely need to retire him, put up something in the Raptors for sure. But I think there's a huge contingent of Avalanche fans out there that know everything they know about hockey from Peter McNabb, right? So that that's really shows you the footprint he's leaving here in Colorado. And he's, he's genuinely he's genuinely like a ridiculously smart hockey mind. Like I don't think, and this is not a crack at his TV work, I don't think his position on altitude tv as the color guy does justice to just how knowledgeable a hockey guy this guy is mm-hmm. like it yeah. really genuinely does it um, you had to sit with him and see the small details that he picked up on yeah and that's that's my favorite part about sitting with somebody like him i mean jj says this all the time jj grew up playing hockey i did not grow up playing hockey jj always says i'm the x's and o's guy you're the NHL guy. You're the NHL nerd. You're the salary cap, the trades, the history, the who played where and the how many stats and goals did they have? Peter McNabb was both. Yeah. Like he was genuinely both. He will sit there and break down plays for you and tell you what they're doing on the power play and the PK and why this goalie's doing well and why this guy's not adjusting. And then he'll sit there and be like, this guy was played for this team and played this many games and did this. And like, he was genuinely the combination of both of those things. Yeah. There was about three weeks ago. Um, I, I wrote about this actually. Um, but I, I was sitting with Peter at a practice and there were these two kids kind of down in the corner and they were eating nachos and watching the Avs skate. And Peter just looked so happy just watching two young people enjoy the sport that he loved. And after a while they turned around and they noticed him and they came up and are we're like, are you Peter McNabb? Can we, can we get an autograph and a selfie? And of course he, he signed there. I think, I think we gave him like a sheet of paper and he just signed it for him to <laughs> a selfie. And, and they asked him and this kind of gave me chills in the moment, just knowing kind of what he was going through. Um, I didn't know, I guess the extent to how close it was. Um, but I, I obviously knew he was sick and he, they, they asked him there, they were like, do you, do you like what you do? And he said, yeah, I really, really do. And that just, I, I, I think I wrote about, that's how I want to remember Peter McNabb was seeing his warmth towards those kids, the joy he got watching them watch the sport of hockey. And then him talking about loving what he did. I mean, look no further than the last couple of years, the guy, like, let's face it, went through hell health wise and rarely, if ever, missed a freaking game. He always wanted to be there. He always, whether he had to call in from home, whether he had to work from the studio. I was talking to uh, uh, Kim Becker. She is our new uh, studio host or digital host, I should say, for Mile High Sports. Used to work for Altitude. And uh, I talked to her yesterday and she said it used to be so fascinating during the 2021 season to walk into the altitude studio, Mark Mosier and, and Kyle Keith and the guys will be somewhere on the road 
and Peter McNabb sitting in a room by himself in the Altitude studio watching the game on TV. And she's like, I would listen to the first period and watch it on TV. And then I would come see him live doing the second period. And I'm like, this guy's not even there. No energy, no Mark Mosier standing by him, no nothing. And you can still see the passion and the, like the, the enjoyment in his eyes, watching the sport, talking about it. And he's in the middle of his health battles. Like, just the passion this guy had, the love he had for what he did. They don't want to take a day off, and and he didn't. Like the very last practice that I attended before the team went on the big road trip, you know, to I think it was Vegas, then New York, then Finland. He was there, and I said hi to him, and 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 you know, he was there to the very end. Yeah, I think that's a perfect place to stop. Let's just remember Peter McNabb for all that he was and everything he did for this city and state. And uh, it's going to be an emotional game here coming up when they honor him. So, And, um, and thinking of his friends and family. Too. Of course. 100%, yeah. Absolutely. So thanks to everyone for listening. And most importantly, thanks to Peter McNabb. You will be missed.